Welcome to the Bend ICOC podcast, where we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Don't forget to leave us a review and a rating, and thank you very much for listening. And if you take away one thing today, it is the idea of that statewide church, or if you were to remember it in just two letters, not numbers or syllables, but letters, us, <laughs> U-S. We're going to be over in Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6, but before I even get there, i got to share some good news. We were just off Madison and I at our Northwest Leaders Retreat this past week, and I kept telling them all how, how uh, incredible I think the disciples in Bend, Oregon are. And I'm sur- sure that it's true for disciples around the state. I know Houston is telling me about Corvallis and the Boyds from Eugene and everyone sharing just how thankful we are for the family for that statewide church. Last week, our our local family, we took up a special contribution because we want to further that church here locally, further Jesus' kingdom mission. So we've we've been saving, and I'm very thankful for our local family. We saved up $7,764 at our service this last Sunday. So I'm incredibly thankful for that sacrifice. Can't stop humbly bragging about it. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 3, 1 through 6, a running start into that. And this will, hopefully this is my joining of where you're at being anchored in Ephesians 4. And where we're at as a bent church, we're also going through Ephesians. So let's start reading here to get a running start. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Everybody with me? All right. The Bible says... Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit." Being built up together, no longer aliens, strangers, but now this new humanity, now this new people together to show the world about Jesus Christ and that Jesus himself being our peace so we can be built up together. Meaning when we come together this morning, we can remember that peace of Jesus So if you're remembering disciples back home or disciples even in this room, remember that Jesus is your peace. And if there's something in between you and another disciple, remember that in between you is Jesus and he is your peace. And we have to reckon with that. I'm thankful for that. When you have something with a brother or a sister, remember Jesus is in between you as well. And that's why we're a family. Amen? Amen. Now imagine as we go into Ephesians chapter 3 here, where Paul is at as he's writing about this church, writing about the togetherness and praising Jesus Christ. He's dwelling on this piece of Jesus. He's under house arrest in Rome. And he realizes that because Jesus is his peace, He can have that peace. He can forgive others. So the reason Paul is sitting under house arrest is 
because of his very ministry to the Gentiles, because he is sharing the gospel, because he's trying to unite these people and stop these factions, he could easily be embittered about that, right? I know I could easily be embittered about that. He remembers, Jesus is my peace so I can forgive others. When I think of these brothers and sisters scattered around, I can't help but also thinking about Jesus. And we'll see Paul just go back and forth today, and he can't separate the two. As much as he thinks about Jesus Christ, he can't not think about the good news the Gentiles have in Christ Jesus. So Paul makes a choice. Yes, the church at times was incredibly hurtful to Paul. Families hurt us sometimes. And yes, at times the church probably wasn't meeting his needs. I mean, he's under house arrest currently. But he chooses, rather than taking that hurt and it turning into bitterness and driving him out of the church and away from the family, Paul takes that and actually drives him closer to Jesus. Closer than he's ever been before, writing some of the most theologically profound things he's ever written here in Ephesians. And that's the thrust that takes us into chapter 3. So you were all at, at this retreat talking about Ephesians chapter 4, right? And that starts off with, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you. Well, before that, in chapter 3, Paul has this long prayer. And before that long prayer, he's right here saying something very similar. God's word says in Ephesians chapter 3. And this is so incredible. This is God revealing his secret plan. And Paul gets to write that. And not only does this, I'm not hyping it up here, not only does this change the course of human history, but this is a revelation for more than just humans, but to the entire universe. It says to spiritual forces, good ones and bad ones, that through the message of the church united on this gospel, God is revealing his secret plan. Imagine if you got to write that, like Paul is writing that here. But Paul doesn't take on a celebrity status. Rather, we read, for this reason, because of this united church in this gospel, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that's his identity, on behalf of you Gentiles, verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. For this reason, and as Paul starts writing about it, you notice that, uh, that dash at the end of verse 1. That drives people crazy. Because what's happening there in the Greek is Paul is halfway through a sentence, and then he very grammatically, incorrectly, just cuts off his sentence. And for 13 verses, he has this big aside, this big parenthesis, this big interruption by his own thinking of, wait a second, let me tell you about my ministry. He's like, oh yeah, hi, I'm Paul. 
Because for two chapters, Paul has been talking about the grace of God, God's plan. He's so overwhelmed about it. He can't shut up about it. He can't keep it to himself. And we we can learn from that. If we, again, put ourselves in Paul's position. So he gets to write this. But he's so overwhelmed in what God is revealing about his grace, his gospel, that he can't stop talking about that grace. And then, I mean, imagine sharing your faith with somebody or telling them about your church or telling them about the kingdom, but you're just going on and on about God's grace. And then after two chapters, you're like, oh yeah, I go to a church and my name is so-and-so and we meet down the street. Like that's Paul's approach, just talking about what God has done for him and our redemption, amen? Two chapters of that. So then why, why break off this sentence And Paul suddenly is going to shift to talking about his own ministry. And he kind of authenticates his hand with an apostle. And that's why I have this revelation and how you can read it. And I just need to tell you about that. And I need to keep talking about this Jew and Gentile thing. Why break the sentence off? And why? It's such a cliffhanger, right? Hey, I'm Joey Hungerford. I'm going to prison for you. But anyways, let me talk about this. (laughs) Why would Paul do that? cliffhanger. It's because what Paul is about to talk about is something worth going to prison for, and it's worth breaking a sentence off for, it's worth living for, and it's worth dying for. Let's pick it up in verse 2. We're going to look a little more deeply at this. This is the mystery revealed, God's plan. Let's look at that one more time. He says it point blank, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. I just got to talk about his grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Fast forward to verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Man. Imagine that. If If you suddenly knew of this other family that had received a large inheritance. They hit the jackpot. They're heirs of this. But then all of a sudden you find out, hey, I'm a member of that family too. I get to have that inheritance. And the Gentiles are going crazy that they can be members in this body. And that, that's what this mystery is. You are in this family. And you're not only going to a church, but you are part of a united church. Jew and Gentile, different cultures, different classes, but all of you united. And that is to God's glory and by his grace, the mystery revealed. I remember what that was like for me to join that family of God and have some of that mystery revealed. Because, you know, before I thought I knew everything, right? It was actually much like the singles retreat. I, freshman year, going to college over at the University of Oregon, and we came over here to Lapine, actually, stayed in a cabin. You guys have a couple of cabins there in Sun River. And we were staying there, and I was just blown away. I started studying the Bible, and I was like, okay, so you guys are teaching me some things, I guess. And the more I read, though, and the more I was challenged to read, the more God was revealing himself to me. And then more than just the word of God, the people of God were revealing God to me. So I was at this retreat, and people were, like, waking up early. 
and like having quiet times. And they're like, hey, do you want to go on a prayer walk out in the woods? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I had never seen a group that was so in love with Jesus, devoted to Jesus and his word, and devoted to one another. They're like doing dishes for each other and stuff. Man, my roommates don't do that. Still don't do that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm only talking about Sasha. <laughs> but man, I saw people who, like Paul, man, they were prisoners for Christ Jesus. They were committed to him. And that blew me away. So on the drive back to Eugene after that retreat, I said, you know what? I'm all in. Because when I, at that point, when I looked back at my, my spiritual birth certificate or my, I don't know, my, my wedding certificate with Christ, it didn't look like the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it didn't really look like I was living for him, devoted to his word, committed. So that love transformed me. It's revealed to me by disciples on a retreat just like this. So thanks for coming to a retreat. You never noticed the impact it can have on someone. That was me seven years ago. Amen. Thank goodness for singles retreats. I remember two lines specifically. A brother had said, you know, I, Joey, I don't think you're really emotionally connecting with the cross. And he challenged me. It's like, well, I'm not going to cry or anything, you know. We talked about that. Another sister, she said, you know, I think you just need to get on your knees and pray. Good advice, right? Yeah. It's like, you don't know. Yeah. Let's <laughs> think about how the Gentiles are feeling. When you're joining the family of God, when you're able to participate and be a fellow heir, right? That, that's the original audience Paul is writing to here. So it's no longer the clued-in people and the clueless people. No, now it's been revealed to all of you. And now because this is the mystery of God being revealed through the church, literally to the universe, it's now our job as the church to reveal that to the world. That there's a different way to be human. That's crazy. A new humanity. And that should look like a good thing. <laughs> a new humanity. Everyone coming together to worship the true God. I appreciate what you guys were reading on the, the retreat this weekend of speaking the truth and love to each other and equipping each other and building each other up. And In order to be united and reveal that church, that family of God to the world, we can't just be with people who look like us. The church gives that context of relationships of people who aren't like us to where we can really learn about God more deeply, each other more deeply, speak the truth and love to one another. That's what the family provides us. That's why Paul is in chains for the Gentiles. But I think it's deeper than that. Now try putting yourself in Paul's place. So the Gentiles, they're saying, okay, here's God's plan, and God's plan is for us to be united. Same for us today. God's plan is for us to be united. That's his plan A. There is no plan B here. Why would Paul, 
What would cause him to drastically think so differently about these Gentiles? Or about the Jews or the Christians, people he was persecuting, and now people that have led him to being in prison. And yes, Paul, as we read, he's talking about, well, I'm an apostle, but being an apostle wasn't something he sought after. It's something that he's called to by the grace of God. We read in these three passages how Paul is called. I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. This is in Paul's calling, so it's Jesus saying this. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Lastly, in Acts 20, 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So when Paul breaks the sentence off and he says, hey, I'm in prison, he's not like, Passively, I'm in prison for you, and you should feel sorry. <laughs> and I'm carrying the church on the back of my servant heart. It's not like that at all. It says, I am nothing, and this is for you and to your glory. And this is a good thing. And this is God revealing his plan by his grace. As Paul is writing this, he just, both in his calling and writing in Ephesians chapter 3, I always try to put myself right there, because as he's talking about Jesus, and the more clearly he's revealing Jesus Christ through his words and what's written down, the more clearly he's seeing this plan for the Gentiles. It's as if for him to be more intimate with God and closer to God means to be in chains for the Gentiles. He just can't separate it. It's talking about being in Christ, and man, I just want to bless Christ Jesus, but man, let me tell you about your Gentiles and how you're united and how that's a blessing, just back and forth for two chapters straight. Talking with them, distracted by God, and then talking about God, distracted by them. I call it a grace vortex. <laughs> I heard a jazz musician put it that way once. And he said, oh yeah, Paul, like jazz, is just riffing back and forth right here. He's getting pulled into the grace vortex. Have you ever felt like that? Being pulled into a grace vortex, you just can't keep it to yourself. You just can't stop talking about the blessing of knowing this Jesus. You're sucked into it. I think that's why Paul gets caught up, gets distracted by his own thinking, and has this 13 verse aside, cutting off this sentence. Has the message of Jesus had an impact on you like that? His gospel. Has it caused you to think 
so drastically different about another group of people or a type of person or even just another person, someone you know, in the family of God or not in the family of God. That's the impact of the gospel of grace for Paul. How has it caused you to think differently about others? Now, I don't want to downplay that, yeah, Paul's in prison, but he doesn't really care about it, you know, he's fine with that. I'm sure he feels it. I'm sure he cares about it. And I do just want to point out that there is a costly nature to this mystery being revealed. And there is a costly nature to this gospel of grace. For Paul, that meant being in chains. And for you, it will personally cost you to be a part of this mystery being revealed. It'll personally cost you to be united with somebody else. And it'll take each and every one of us taking on the posture of Paul. Hey, I'm in chains on behalf of you. If you look at that person on your left and on your right, you're willing to be in chains for them. That's what unity means for Paul and the cost of this mystery. Deciding that, hey, this is going to be a commitment for me, not just a convenience, to forward this gospel and forward it by being united. Amen? Amen. Now, I, I do want to, the main practical here, the thing that will anchor us most as we walk away today, you know, when I, when I went to that singles ministry retreat six years ago, I don't remember any of the lessons. <laughs> But I do remember the way they made me feel. And I remembered their example of being in the word of God. Verse 4, I think this is the most practical thing. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. And I think that's where as we imagine Paul's place and the Gentiles hearing this and what we can do today. It all intersects there because Paul, as an apostle, is writing this. It's getting written down. They're reading it. They're hearing it. But we can read it today. And we should read it today. On reading this, we can perceive this mystery and insight just like Paul. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have that enlightenment. I didn't get that when I first started reading my Bible. It took me quite a while. I was like, well, I'm going to take the gradual approach, you know. I needed people in my life to help me with that. But this is how you can be anchored. And here's what I had to realize early on in reading the Bible and after that singles retreat. So I'm a, I'm a baby Christian. What I had to realize was God could only reveal as much as I was willing to receive. If I wasn't opening my Bible, I wasn't really willing to receive more revelation from God through the apostles, from God through his word. And so I remember back, um, man, and even my discipleship times really suffered for it when I wasn't reading the Word of God as a baby Christian. So I'd meet up with my discipler, and I'd be like, man, I'm, you know, I want to date a non-Christian, or man, I want to go to a party in college, or 
hey, I'm on the struggle bus doing this or that. And it's always like crisis management. <laughs> He's like, well, what does the Word of God tell you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. You just tell me. But then over time, it was just him convicting me and not the Word of God convicting me and not the Holy Spirit convicting me. So I, I was just, my gas, there was no gas in the tank. I wasn't anchored in the Word of God. So this brother had a brilliant idea one day. He's like, hey, let me move in with you. He's like, okay. <laughs> he needed a roommate, and he had just moved into the church to um, be an intern. And so he was living me and, and with me in week one. He said, you know, hey, I noticed um, you're up really late watching movies. And I, I was up before you, and I noticed when you got up, you, you only had your quiet time for like five minutes. I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it, it really needs to be longer, actually. It's like, I, I wouldn't be able to do anything if my quiet time was only five minutes. And I said, well, you just don't understand. And in my, my mind, I was thinking, you know, you gave up your life to be a church intern, but I, I still, like, have a life. I, I got work. I got, uh, I got work. I'm going to classes. I'm getting this fancy cinema studies diploma I'm going to use someday. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, so I, I can't really have a longer quiet time. And he said, yeah, well, then I can't really disciple you. <laughs> and he was pretty right about that. So when you have discipleship time, he'd let me know, hey, I can be your buddy, I can be your friend, we can hang out, but man, if you're not praying, if you're not rooted in the word, if you're not equipping yourself, how are you going to equip others? And for each of us, if we're not rooted in the word of God today, we're not going to have teachers or elders or evangelists tomorrow. Or disciples who can equip others. So if you walk away today, remember to read your Bible. Because that's where God will reveal the answer to so many questions. And if you have a D time in the next few weeks and you're lost, just go, man, I need to, to read my Bible and pray. Maybe before we do anything else, we can just do some of that together. So then over time, I could show up with my disciple and be like, here's what God is telling me. And here's how it's changing me, and can you help me with that? Be like, bro, that's awesome, and here's what I'm learning in my quiet time. Can you help me with this? Convicted by the Word of God. Amen? Yeah. Changed my life. Reading shouldn't just be flat. It should be transformative when we hear about truths like this. It should be living and active. In fact, right here, I think this is my second favorite part of all of Ephesians, because it answers my first favorite part. Back in chapter 1, verse 17, Paul prays. He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And man, this is a prayer come true right here. That we can have that same insight by reading the word of God. If you don't read the text, it's tough to fall into that grace vortex. Now, in conclusion here, well, before that, and then in conclusion here, 
This aside ends in verse 13, and I want to connect it there to just really prove that Paul isn't saying, hey, I'm in chains for you, so you should feel sorry for yourself. In verse 13, when he finally comes out of this, he says, so I ask you not to lose heart. Don't be dismayed over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The last thing Paul wanted was for people to feel sorry for themselves. He wasn't trying to guilt trip them. He wanted them to realize this was for their benefit, not by their fault. And that, hey, this is, yes, your apostle, your church planter, he's in chains, but this is for your glory. This is a good thing, this ministry and what's taking place here. This is going to further the gospel that I'm in prison on your behalf. God appointed him to suffer for their glory. And I think he calls us to similar things today. Because God has a heart for his family and needs us to suffer for that family at times. Find ourselves in that place. Man, I'm just like Paul. I, I, I think I have to suffer for this brother. Paul doesn't, he doesn't capitalize on that, right? Though he's in that circumstance, he's able to reframe it. I mean, look at how Paul describes it. It's for your benefit, for your glory. Don't lose heart. I mean, is that the way you talk about your service to brothers and sisters? Hey, this is, you know what? I just want to give God glory. I just want to help out. I just want to do my part. Paul transcends the circumstance and the challenge. It's not so much about prison. It's more so about his brothers and sisters and glorifying God. It's that other's perspective that I think helped get him through it. Who's ever heard of um, James or Jim Stockdale? Maybe vaguely because he ran for vice president in 1992. <laughs> that was before I was born. <laughs> so half the room wonders about it. Or at least he was put on the ticket for vice president. But far be before that, so he was gunned down in North Vietnam. And he found himself a prisoner of war. And he took on a similar mentality as Paul in order to get through it. When Stockdale was gunned down, he had realized that back during the Korean War, when men were taken prisoner, they went to some dark places. Sometimes they'd even turn on each other, fight each other, kill each other. So he was gunned down, he's in the PO prisoner of war camp, and says, how am I going to get through this, and how am I going to get my brothers through this? I think it was actually the same camp that John McCain was at. And he was there for seven years. And he came up with a, a coded system for them to communicate with each other and, the, and a way to have this, these coded rules of, hey, here's how we should conduct ourselves while we're prisoners and while we're being tortured and while for him he had several limbs broken. And here's how we're going to decide to keep enduring this and not give up or give in. And the coded message was, Back U.S., which didn't mean only, hey, someday we'll get back to the U.S., 
But U.S., according to the code he put out, stood for unity over self. It's by unity over self that we'll get back to the U.S. And that's what brought him through, back to the U.S. Not being overly hopeful, but at the same time not doubting that it would happen. And not being selfish as he was there in prison, but saying, no, it's about all of us getting back together. Unity over self. That's what U.S. came to meet for them. I think it's the same for Paul in this selfless perspective. I mean, why is he in prison and he's just going on writing about unity and writing about inclusion in this family? Because Paul's thinking unity over self. And Paul thinks unity over self because it's for Christ's sake. He's a prisoner of the gospel for Christ and on behalf of the Gentiles. Because this is the Savior he's following. This is the example he's following. But, man, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. Paul wants to live that out. Paul lowers himself. He even says at some points, hey, I'm a slave for you. Or in 2 Corinthians. Man, it's by... This is Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Man, committed to each other, willing to be in chains for each other, willing to become poor for each other, to serve each other, and to be servants for Jesus' sake. That's what produced the unity over self. So when you look at your brother or sister, the person on your left or your right, have you decided on that commitment so that others can become rich? What does it mean for your life to be committed for Jesus' sake to the person on your left and right? Not just someday be committed towards them, but today and the rest of this week. To suffer for them and honor them, all for the glory of God. So to anchor ourselves deeply in this text, to anchor ourselves more deeply into one another, and to anchor ourselves more deeply into the grace of God, yes, we should read our Bibles. Yes, we should read the gospel. <laughs> And remember to put others over ourself. But in taking the posture of Paul, we really ought to just express gratitude for each other. And when I think back seven years ago of when I joined this family, it never would have it never would have happened if it wasn't for the other brothers and sisters coming on that retreat. It never would have happened if they wouldn't have put unity over self. It never would have happened if they weren't fighting for that statewide church. And so I just have to thank everyone here today for having that heart, for being here today. Not just here today, but for living in Christ and choosing Christ and living for Christ every day. I thank you for your faith and remaining faithful because it takes a lot. 
And if it wasn't for people in this room, I wouldn't be here. It wasn't for family. And when you go back home, your local church family needs you. That statewide church of Oregon needs you. The Northwest needs you. God has a heart for the Northwest. God has a heart for his family and you within that family. And to God be the glory. Let's welcome up Danny McNeely from Portland. Hi guys, it's good to see y'all. Um, my name is Danny, for those that don't know me. Um, I'm here representing Corvallis with Houston. Um, guys, we had such a good time this last weekend. Um, unfortunately, I had a lot of work on my mind um, while I was there, but it was so good to spend individual time with people like Daniel, Houston, you know, people in Medford, um, Portland, um, Eugene, um, and asking the common question, how are you anchored? And how can we be anchored? And I want to tie it in with what Joy was sharing because our, our message was based in Ephesians 4. All right. And if we look at verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the evangelists, the prophets, and the teachers. And don't, aren't we all those things together as one body? We teach, ourselves, we teach each other. We evangelize to one another. We are apostles to each other. We teach each other together. And it's unity over self. It's costly, like Joey said. It, it requires effort. It requires sacrifice. Amen. But the beauty about Jesus is that it was costly for him as well. If anything, he took the biggest, the biggest price. Um, the mystery of Christ is that we are members of one body. We are not divided. We are not separated. It's what you, you, it's what unites us. Let's let's reflect on this as we take the body of Christ and, and the juice. Dearly Father God, thank you so much for this amazing weekend. Thank you so much for bringing us together, and thank you for. Paying the biggest price yeah. for us to be unified together. Mm-hmm. It's unity over self. It's not individual. We were not meant to do this on our own. Yeah. And, I, and I thank you for that amazing example. And I pray that we can take that upon ourselves as well to sacrifice ourselves for, for our friends, for our body, for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It would mean so much to us if you were to leave us a review and a rating for our podcast so that this message can reach others. Thank you.